Oklahoma archery, everything archery based out of Oklahoma for Oklahoma. Let's get it started. Welcome everybody to an Oklahoma archery podcast. It has been a little while, but we are back in the mood and the and the and the go. We are we're we're flinging arrows and well heck, let's just get the thing going. I'm David Bosca. I'm Neil Cooley. Hey folks, today we're not going to have a guest live in studio. We're just going to talk a little bit about some of the things we got going, some of the things that Neil's been doing. Uh, he's been running around the countryside, getting after it, um, shooting his stick and string. Uh, Neil, tell everybody where you've been lately. Two weekends ago, I went down to Houston and they had the state 900 and the state mark 3d at the buffalo field archery club in i believe katie texas it's a it's a suburb of houston that was two weekends ago and this last weekend i went to yankton south dakota so we've been north south and everywhere in between um it's been a busy busy couple of weeks shooting uh skinny arrows for those of you who haven't embraced the indoor season with this hundred degree heat outside um been it's it's been a rough one there's been some good ones there's been some bad ones so we'll kind of run you through everything we've been doing um but a lot of windshield time and a lot of time behind the bow so it beats working for the day i'll tell you that much why don't you start off by telling everybody your uh, skinny arrow setup shooting the hoyt stratos uh 40 inch axle to axle the hbt cam I'm shooting uh, six power lens on the Excel, ETAC light. I believe I'm shooting a B clarifier in a 332 aperture. Uh, Black Eagle Revelations, 120 grains in the front of those. Pin knocks, biter hunters. Uh, veins on it is a four fletch offset, flex fletch FFP 187. Uh, see, HBC, small for the release. My bars on that are 27 and 15 inches with, I believe, nine ounces on the front and 18 on the back. Uh, shooting about 59 pounds, 59.6 pounds at 75% let off and a 28-inch draw set to 27 and 7 eighths. I've got an eighth inch out of the grip. Uh, let's see, what I leave out? Release, Man. arrows. I think the only thing you've not talked about was the shoe size. You did real good. <laughs> Nine and a half. Nine and a half. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, sorry. I, I think I, I think I got everything that's strapped onto that bow. Hamsky drop away. There you go. Oh, there you go. Okay. That's, yeah. There, there, the old the old ones. We don't shoot the uh, we don't shoot the Trinities or the Epsilons. We shoot the old style ones. Got um, yeah. it hits my hits my hand when it when that bow when that shot breaks so uh i'm i'm cheap i shoot the old ones i don't mind it i've got one of them on every bow and as long as they're micro tuned they do everything i need to but uh man I, it was a it was a struggle setting this bow up i've been fighting some left and right issues didn't know if it was a, a arrow spine issue or a rest tune a sight axis being out of alignment or if it was just the guy holding it and after exhausting all options, we uh, we're gonna have to take the blame for that one. But that was uh, that was one hundred percent yours truly. Just a little bit too much push on the front hand, and uh, they'll go a little left. They can if I don't if I don't sit and break them real still with just a, a real ginger front hand. You know, kind of 
kind of love me tender kind of thing. Uh, they, they get a little jumpy left and right. The height's been good on them most of the time, but if I shoot them too strong, I will blow them out left. Uh, yeah. That's what I've been figuring, been figuring out with it. And uh, really, uh, really does take a, a really good grip a steady front hand to shoot that bow. And it's not quite as bad on my 36, but I've noticed it on the forties for sure. And I've been, you know, I wouldn't say struggling with it. I went down there to, let's see the state 900 in Texas. I wound up third shot an eight sixty three, which was not, um, it's not just a smoking awesome score for the adult male freestyle division, but it was 30 points higher than the last one I shot back in 2021 so hard to kind of measure that success you know you want to be in the 880s or if you can get in the 890s on a 900 round that's that's impressive but we were down in the 860s and that's only the second one that i think i've shot so i'll take it you know highest highest score i've shot on one 30 points over the last one i I scored at and that was the state 900 oklahoma in 2021 i didn't get to shoot it last year um so that was that was a good a good first day. We uh, had to deal with the heat, pretty pretty stout. 104 when we ended, felt more like 114. But the people down at Texas have a a big sunshade that they let their basically they put over the line. So it was me and all the senior division people, and they had the kids out kind of roasting in the heat. But if you were over the age of 27 you were going to be under the shade and we just picked the tent up and moved it when we moved to 50 and we picked it up again and moved it when we moved to 40 so they definitely know how to accommodate down there and the best thing about that 900 is they ran it as one line so they've got a big long line of targets and it's pull shoot or shoot and pull score them repeat and there was no there was no standing around in the heat waiting for anybody we got it we got in there and got it done you know that's the that's a neat way to do it. Yeah, you like everybody would like to have a little rest, but you know you're getting more rest the times that you walk up, score them, pull them, walk back than you will on any indoor round. So you still get plenty of rest. Yeah, it's not it's not real quick paced, and they would they would let the timer go down. We had we got to shoot with some people shooting indoor uh olympic recurve style that would use just about all that time i mean on my on my bail i had my my bail mates were counting this lady down you know from 20 seconds just about every end so you got a little bit of time to rest and you know pour a little pour a little water down the back of your jersey get you a sip of water go pull them and they didn't they didn't rush you but we made really good time out of there we started at nine we were done by you know 12 12 30 out of the heat or as close yeah. to out of the heat as you can get in Houston, you know, middle yeah. of, middle of August. It's brutal down there. So, you you ended up third there. Sounds like it was a fun trip. Now you spent the night and you did what the next day? They have a state marked three D down there, and from what I understand, last year they put yellow and orange dots on it, so it was like a miniature redding over 28 targets, two arrows per target, and they had dots last year. This year, they didn't do dots. They scored it uh, center 10, where the 12 ring counted as an X. So 28 uh, 28 targets, two arrows apiece. I dropped three in the eight ring. Didn't shoot no nickels, so we're going to be no nickel nil for a week or two. Um, 
that was fun. Had 22 X's, wound up third at that one again out of, I think, 16 or 17. So they had a good turnout on the 3D side. They didn't they didn't quite have so many come shoot the 900. I guess it's Texas. They like their they like their foam, but you know Texas has got a good field archery, um, good good field archery following down there. They'll have they'll have as many field shoots as they will ASA qualifiers down there. Um, I think it was I think that range down in Houston was a little far uh, for most of the Texas people, but I got a buddy that lives about 15 minutes away, so we saved some money on the hotel that weekend. Um, the course was great. We were, we were shooting them all the way from 50 yards at the big Buffalo to seven feet for the alligator. So they had a, they had a seven footer and a 10 footer. So you had to do your, had to do your short shot homework, you know, had to, had to do the take home assignment and it was straight down. I mean, you're shooting an alligator at seven feet away. You dial that sight down to about 78 yards and you're, it's almost like you're trying to shoot something off the top of your foot. Um, Got to shoot it with my buddy Clifford Early, and one of his his local shop down there has a kid named Case, and this 12-year-old absolutely cleaned it until three hours. He dropped one eight the whole day, and we thought he was going to clean it. It was kind of kind of cool to see he was on a tear. Um, the one thing I will say about it, it would have been good to shoot my skinny arrows because I did take my 3D bow. I went and asked him, so I shot the 3D Sunday, and as I was pulling in Saturday morning. Uh, I had to drive past where the 3D guys were starting to get to the 900. And I just pulled in there and I was like, all right, y'all got dots on here? Do I need to shoot my skinny arrows or my or my fat arrows? And they go, well, you can shoot whatever you want, but there ain't no sticker dots. So I went ahead and shot my 25s. Well, if you put – and the other two people in our group were shooting 23s, and we had one one little girl in there shooting uh, X10s. So inside a t- uh, four or five-inch 10 ring, we had two 25 diameters – four 23 diameters and two x10s and if we would have had one more if we, if we would have had one more person in our group shooting fat shafts i don't think any any of us would have had enough arrows to finish the event i mean i think i busted six knocks and two bushings i mean we were absolutely destroying some good carbon in this so it would it would have been good to take the skinnies for it but i did i did need a line buster from time to time so there's a few of them that came came down pretty close on that on that ten ring, and it definitely helped me out to be shooting twenty fives. But could have could have shot either setup. I took both of them just to be on the safe side. It was a good time. Real real technical course. Got out before it got too hot, and I think Sunday was the less busy day, so we moved right on through. We didn't have to wait on anybody. Um, they spaced all the groups out real good down there and didn't have to didn't have to wait around we shot you know one at a time made made pretty good time you know 28 targets in three three and a half hours and okay you had a very long and hot weekend down there doing two shoots back to back and you drove in and was it the very next weekend you rolled up north or did you have a week off in between no no weekends off we were in sun, late Sunday night and back on the road Wednesday night, um, drove up half halfway to South Dakota Wednesday, drove the second half Thursday, had a little bit of practice and shot three, three o'clock on Friday. So they've got uh, indoor 60, 50 and 40 yard tournament at the small face. Um, Friday was pretty decent and we've been 
you know, we've been trying to cite this outdoor bow and fighting the elements and fighting the wind and the, the heat. And you go up to the Easton Center in Yankton, South Dakota, and it's it's absolutely beautiful. You can shoot. They have it set up to shoot 60 yards. If you moved all the chairs and everything, you could probably shoot 80 or 90 pretty easy, if not even 100. Um, so you got some of the best shooters in the world stacking arrows in the middle at 60 yards. And then you got the amateurs out there kind of scattering a few of them about. But we landed all of them on the paper. It was, you know, that was an accomplishment for the level I'm shooting at in and of itself. So I'm going to count that as a win that I landed them all on the target. Cause if you, if you've seen it's not the big, it's not the big 900 size target. It's, it's a little bit smaller. It's all, it's only got out to the six ring on it. So 10, nine, eight, seven, and one, one ring of blue on there. And if you shimmy shake it at 60 yards, it'll, it'll sail on you. But we got to be on the line with some of the absolute best target shooters in the game. You had, you know, Kyle Douglas and Tim Gillingham page had all the Botech people up there. Um, at Broadwater in the house, at all the all the pros come out for this. It's like they're uh, it's like the the last big tournament for the year. Three D's over. Indoor hasn't started yet. This is kind of their their last hoorah. Um, so you had a you had a pretty good pro contingency turnout. Um, the amateur class had sixty two for the first Dakota Classic, and I think a few less for Outdoor Target Nationals. But it's two national tournaments in one weekend. You shoot a qualifying score indoor on friday morning and then saturday afternoon you shoot your bracket competition match if you're in flights or if you're just in the pro division you just have regular old shoot off and then saturday morning you shoot an outdoor uh 600 round which is uh 40 50 and 60 yards and then the sunday is the big face the 900 so we we got to shoot a lot of arrows it was well over 100 arrows for score each day um and they do a pretty good job hosting two national tournaments on top of one another. So you, you shoot indoor, you shoot outdoor, you go back indoor and you finish up outdoor, uh, four rounds, two tournaments. Um, the first Dakota classic has a, a shoot up style bracket. So whatever flight you end up in, you have the chance to win some money, but it's not just where you place in your flight. You actually have to shoot off, um, bracket style competition wise. So made it to the, made it to the shoot down, went down in a hurry. I think I lost my shoot off by about 10 points at older gentleman. Um, I said, put, put, put me down clean. If you're going to put me down, it, he sure went to work on it. Um, <laughs> Saturday was after. Go ahead. I said, how many ends is the shoot down? It is three ends uh, for a possible score of 150. I believe. Yep. Yep. So did you take your five arrows rig with you? Did you take your same rig with you, your skinny arrow? Yeah, rig? yep. Shooting the shooting the Revelations. Um, they fly did you a little anything? bit. I did not change anything. Okay. Did not. Um, sight tape's just a little bit off. I'm shooting a. I'm shooting a, at sixty yards. I'm, I've got a dial to about sixty one. Um, tinker just kind of tinkered with it, and and I I sighted it in that way for the nine hundred, so I didn't feel like moving my needle. Um, the less, the less wear I put on that little set screw in there, the better. Cause I kind of, kind of heavy handed on that. Um, so just one less chance to strip it out. So I, I was fudging a yard on the side tape, but I'd rather be in the top of it than the bottom of it. Cause I know sometimes I'll, I'll miss low when I'm not pushing them left, but no, didn't, didn't change a thing. Um, 
it's not the bow's not holding real great, but some some days it's there. So Friday it was it was pretty good for me. Um, I wound up I think out of sixty two breaking into bracket play I was thirtieth, so right in the middle of the pack, and I hadn't changed anything from the weekend past. And I went out Saturday morning and I couldn't hit the broad side of the barn. I I couldn't hold. I couldn't break. It just it, I wasn't shooting real strong. Um, you know, a little bit of wind, a little bit of outdoor elements was a factor, but some days you, you know, you, you wake up and you just, I can't miss and they're holding good and they're breaking smooth and I'm following through good. And the next day, same bow, same person. And it's just all out the window, uh, which was kind of where I thought about tinkering with my stabilizers a little bit. I didn't make any changes to it because I, I felt like at that point, I'd I'd have been chasing my tail just a little bit, but that was definitely one of those moments where you get outside in the wind and you think, okay, do I need to, do I need to add an ounce? Do I need to take off an ounce? Do I need to put some weight on the bow to make it hold better? Because the difference up there between indoor having perfect footing, perfect lighting and no wind to being out outdoors on the South Dakota plains, staring directly into the sun and having the wind in your face definitely definitely makes the way the bow holds quite a bit different so um i opted to just kind of you know trust my setup and trust my equipment and left it exactly the same and didn't really didn't really work out for me i think me and my buddy chris simmons wound up on the last the la- uh, next to last bale on sunday morning so we were we were towards the bottom of the pack not not the bottom but towards the bottom um missed it by just a hair I think it would have been probably if I was if I was a little more confident in tuning my stabilizers, I, I probably would have added a little bit of weight to counteract some of that wind, but um, didn't didn't feel like it was gonna gain me too many points when I just wasn't I wasn't holding and wasn't breaking real clean. So I don't want to make a reactive change to that. When I came out Sunday, the bow held good again. Um, the shots were breaking a lot more clean, so I didn't feel like reinventing the wheel would have been all that beneficial to me. Kind of a, it's a pretty different style. Some people out there that you shoot with there, they'll add an ounce here, there in between in the middle of a round, they'll do it in the middle of an end I've seen. So it's definitely, uh, something interesting when you see people that can make those on the fly changes and get good results. I just kind of kind of stick to my guns and maybe it's a maybe it's me being stubborn or maybe it's just me not wanting to blame the equipment when I make a bad shot you know it's never the it's never the bow it's usually the person holding it it's been kind of been my shooting philosophy for a while so um yeah that would have that maybe maybe that would have gained me a little bit of traction there when Saturday was you know going down the crapper pretty quick but you know you said something in that that caught my eye or ear on that you said you was looking into the sun did they have the targets you were the way you stood you were facing the the east you did face east outside but you're underneath a awning an awning um so you can see you can see it when it's first coming up the other thing I forgot to mention is Sunday we had a delay of about an hour for a uh, heavy fog. So you wouldn't know, couldn't see nothing Sunday morning. It was eerie 
Um, you could barely see the 60 yard target because you start at 60 on the 900 round. Um, but yeah, once that sun came up, it was underneath the awning. So we got some shade there, which yeah. it, it was beneficial later in the day when it started getting hot, you know, you get out in the, get out of the sun. So you're not cooking for four hours, but yeah. Well, I mean, that was a full weekend and I know it was a, a good family trip for you. Um, got to shoot with a couple of Okies there, stayed close to them. I know. Oh, Rick Gilly and Simmons. So that was fun. Did, did you see anybody else up there that you knew from Oklahoma? Well, I saw I saw a guy I shot against in Houston the previous weekend. Uh, I wound up third in both those events. He wound up second in both of them. So he got to beat me two weekends in a row. Made made me a new friend there. Uh, let's see. Saw saw my buddy from up north, Mister Dan Button. He's a He's a heck of a shooter. Um, ASA field, it don't matter. He can he can hit the middle. So saw got to see him. Got to spend uh, Rick Gilly's seventy fifth birthday with him, flinging arrows indoor. That was pretty cool. Uh, you know, it's a half the people that you, you see are, are pros, and half of them are friends you've made from uh, prior tournaments. So it's good. You know, it, it's not a huge huge turnout, but we saw plenty of people we knew, made some new friends, saw some old ones. So. It was a it, it was definitely a good weekend. I, I highly recommend that tournament to, to anybody that's like we're we're getting ready for our state nine hundred here. So the only reason I went was you know you got to shoot some distance, get some time behind the bow. Um, I'm big heard heard uh, some advice a long time ago, more like a year and a half, two years ago. That seems like a long time from uh, our good buddy out in California. Wendell Souza, the Archery Unfiltered podcast. He goes, don't spend money on equipment. Spend money on going to the biggest tournaments you can get to, because that's what's gonna that's what's gonna make you a better shooter is going out there and getting knocked in the dirt by the best of them. So we we accomplished that goal this weekend. You know, competed on the the biggest stage, so to speak, um, and we had some guys out there in the in the amateur division shooting scores that was almost as good as the pros. So it's it's pretty pretty impressive to see some of the groups these people were shooting at distance definitely definitely very humbling experience yes it'll definitely get you ready i think we got two weeks for the state 900 here yes we do it's not this weekend but the next weekend 9th and 10th coming up yeah yeah i was thinking it was two weekends out so just enough, just enough time to rest up and get some more practice in, and get back after it. Yeah, it's it's a shame it's not indoors. It, it could be now. Th- half of this was half of this event was shot indoors, so I don't uh, I don't see how you can get out of you can get out of the outdoor one, but I, I think you're on the hook for the other half of it. Technically, with the, what I've always talked about for being indoors, yes, it met all the criteria there is. So the, that one, it did. Maybe maybe next year I'll have to uh, move my peep and shoot something other than fatties um, just to make that happen. Time will tell. Well, you don't have to move your peep. You just buy a second bow. Well, see, now that's that's that that's goes back against what Wendell said. You, you're spending money on equipment when you're just trying to get to a shoot. And for me, I, I, I've come to the conclusion after all these years, buying a second bow for one or two tournaments, it ain't worth it to me. Um, yeah. 
it's uh it's a lot of effort when when you got uh one state field uh field sectionals and the state 900 you know if you don't travel for them those are the only skinny arrow events you're going to get we always go up to the uh, nfaa midwestern trail classic in wabash indiana that's the bass and bucks club host that it's like a redding style shoot but um Unless you're going to Texas for some field or hitting field nationals in Darrington, Mechanicsburg, some of these places like that, you're going to have a hard time justifying spending the money to keep a bow rigged up with skinny arrows and not be tearing it apart in the middle. Of, there's just no way fe- feasibly if you're trying to shoot one bow and it's 3D season, that's what you like to shoot. You're not going to tear that apart and swap over to skinny arrows um, in the middle of 3D season. It's just not a it's not very conducive to shooting foam. So you do kind of need a second setup. You don't have to have one. You probably could have shot maybe 23s with it. I shot, I shot with a guy on a bale next to me that was shooting 25s. Um, so you had, you do have a few people doing that. I just feel like the, the smaller shaft cuts a little less, a little less wind. Well, you were just starting to, you're starting to tune up tune a new set of veins on your arrows what'd you um what'd you switch over to yeah i have been shooting the q2i the i think they're they were two inch they were the 0.55 height um and i really liked them i was going for height over length simply because i just wanted a little more steering on these fat fat shafts since mine are so long and the the problem i've i've, I've had on this Bowtech since I've had it since day one is that it clips my finger just a little bit. Um, probably three times out of a game, it'll, it'll just clip my index finger on my bow hand. And I know it's because for all those years shooting a, a bridge driver or a shoot through, I'm sorry, not a bridge, but a shoot through that I just gotten so used to the way that I held it. So I've had to slowly try to um, get everything get my hand position right, but it still gets in the way. So I, I decided to try some of the older style veins that I just fell in love with years ago. And I've been doing the FFP uh, 3.6. Um, I think they're X on the end of it. It's their heavier duty. It's more for a speed vein or a speed bow or a crossbow, but I just wanted it for the stiffness and not the, the thinner vein so the flex fletch the 360 the i think it's called an x and i switched to them and the testing that i've done has been remarkable um grain per grain they are within 0.2 of each other i think one was 7.2 and one is 7.4 7.6 maybe but so the weight i knew wouldn't make any difference but the length would and I shoot just a little bit under a three-degree offset on my arrows. And they do clock a little bit left. So that's the way I do I, I do cha- uh, fletch them. Yep. And I, I started, I did a switch this, let's see. It was this week. That's right. I got them in Monday. I, I scratched off the old ones and put the new ones on. And Tuesday I started testing. And yeah, I, I, first thing I do is I just test for clearance, which... I expected full and and ease of clearance because they're a little shorter to begin with. Um, lengthwise, I wasn't worried about the way it sets on the rest. It's far enough far enough back. I wasn't worried about hitting. 
But then I go into, um, I think I sent you a copy of my rotation part. I do yeah. a, I do a rotation testing and I, I get into the dynamics of the arrow itself. And I start at, let's see, this one I started at six yards. Then I went to nine, 12, 15, 18, and 20. And I actually clock my arrow as it's shooting. And I want to see how many rotations we're getting within 20 yards. The and, and it has nothing to do with the brand. I believe it has everything to do with the length of the arrow itself. I'm sorry, the length of the vein. Because they weigh the same. Yes, the FFP is a little shorter. It's a point four. I think four five or four seven height to where the other is a 0.55. As much as one is over a half inch, one is under a half inch on height, but they are an inch and a half longer. And okay. what, yeah. So what I found was I'm going to have to read this so I can get it on the old shot on the old uh, vein at six yards at just six yards right out of the bow. The old vein was turning just right right at a half a turn on the, the arrow shaft. Um, clocking it, if it started out directly left my uh, knock, I put a, a mark on the edge of my knock, okay, and as I shot, it made about a half a turn in rotation if you check the dial of a clock. So if it started out at 9 o'clock, it's now at 3 o'clock. Okay. And, and so I started tracking it, and like I said, all the way down, 6, 9, 12, 15, 18, and then 20 yards, it did a total of 2.7 rotations in 20 yards, which which is decent. It wasn't bad. Um, then the new vein, right out of the bow at 6 yards, it did one full rotation at 6 yards. Already had a full rotation coming out of the bow to where the other was only a half a, half a rotation. So immediately you're like, what a change, what a difference, just that quick. So what that's telling me as a shooter is immediately we're going to get one of two things. It's going to slow it down just a little bit um, in air flight, and it might lose trajectory downrange. But what it's going to do is it's going to have more steering to where it can correct imperfection in your shot sequence shot cycle um, and your let's say your bow hand or your release hand but going all the way down through that we had three and a half turns at the end of 20 yards with the new veins so we've got we got one full rotation the new ones more. versus the old ones that's right more than the there old you go. ones and what it did yes it was a half a turn at six yards but then at the end it gained more again so throughout out of it it is still gaining more rotations throughout the whole flight, not just on the front side, because it gained it all the way through. And it was more than that half a turn at the end than it was at the beginning. So it's still gaining more. And what I noticed in the impact is it didn't change the impact. I still, I think I ended up putting three clicks in uh, down to raise it back up. But so very slight drop off of what it was three clicks was going from the inside of the bottom of the tin which it's still touching the 
um, X-ring to get it back to the center of the X. So a sh uh, arrow shaft difference is, is all that I've seen in difference. So I think it's well worth that, in my opinion. So I ended up scratching all my veins off and going to the FFPs. Moving veins again. And this is still a three-fletch, correct? That is correct. Tested I'm only running three. three. Yes. Three versus three. Okay. Yep. Last night, we were over at the Oakyland Bowhunters Indoor Range with pretty much a whole building full of killers. I mean, we had... Chris Sanders, Chris Simmons, Kyle and Larry Anderson, Dan, Josh Jacobson. We had the whole crowd, and uh, I was making up my my uh, second dozen set of 27s, the ones I got off of you that I'd four-fletched with the uh, – I'm shooting the uh, Griv 3-inch Q2i vein, and uh, we're just going to take a second and go on record. I'm not going to – I'm probably not going to shoot any vein that's not either a flex-fletch or a – or a Q2i. I think they're just absolutely have the best stuff out there because um, you really do get a get a good quality stick, good footing on there. And uh, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how many revelations I'm getting with a three-fletch versus a four. Um, I mean, three, a three-inch vein for indoors, not the absolute biggest, but they are, they're a low profile. So I'm, I've got clearance for my inside cables. Um, if anybody doesn't know, when you shoot a Hoyt, that, that cable roller that they finally went to, everybody was wanting one for years, but it's not like a lot of brands where you take it in and out. You know, you got to have to, you have to shim your cams to get it, get it left or right. And that's going to change the way it's tuned. And so I'm not saying I'm limited on what I can shoot vein wise, but the low profile does give me a little bit of peace of mind when I'm sitting there eyeballing it, looking at that inside cable going, okay, I'm def I've definitely got clearance there. Whereas something that's a little taller on a 27 diameter shaft, we might be cutting it close. And then you're, then you're shimming it left and right for the wrong reasons. You're chasing an arrow, arrow configuration clearance rather than what the tune tells you, what, what your bear shaft tells you. Everything kind of goes against the conventional wisdom that I understand. So that's kind of what I'm doing. But I would like to to put a Sharpie mark on there and see what they're doing. So how do you – you start at how many feet? Six feet? Six yards. I start at six yards. Six yards. And then you well, test it again. Initially, yes. I start at like three feet to see the actual start of the rotation. Um, do I know which way it's turning? Then, yes, I start at six yards, and generally you've already, like I said, one of them was a half a turnaround, and then the other one was a full rotation around. Um, and I measured that because at, say, three yards, the one that went a full rotation was already almost at, at a half rotation. wasn't quite, so I know it's turning around, and it's not just setting still coming out of the boat. So, yes, I started at like six it. yards. Yes. Well, let, let's just add add this. This might be redundant for some of the more seasoned archers, but if your arrow is shooting out of the bow, if it's coming out left, you want to fletch left, either helical or offset to get it to not fight against it. If your arrow's turning right, you'd want to reverse that and go either right offset or right helical. That's my way of thinking. Um, I'm just going to not fight the bow with that. Um, there is okay. some great shooters out there that feel that, hey, it makes no difference. 
But I think, I mean, it's at 20 yards, it shouldn't make that big of a difference, but it still can. Now, if you're going to shoot further distances, um, those that say it doesn't make a difference at 20, I think we'll agree for the biggest part that out at 40, 60, 80 yards, it will make a difference. Um, so I, 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 I am a firm believer in, in setting it up the way it's rotating. Don't swim upstream, basically, is what we're saying. Yes. I, I was just just wanted to put that out there, if anybody, because I, I I got a buddy that was my my roommate freshman year of college, lives in Kansas. Name is Josh Van Hollen. He might be out there listening. Well, shout out to Josh Van Hollen, and he uh, he came down deer hunted with me last year, and he just redone his arrows because they were turning left, and he the ones he started out with were fletched right and he said he was shooting out 40 50 60 yards and he said you could see that arrow come out of the bow turning and then it would stop and catch wind and turn back the other direction i said oh you're probably probably losing some good correction between 10 20 and 30 yards before it catches enough wind that it was going the other way and he's shooting a 650 700 grain arrow at 74 pounds he's he's built like a like a brick outhouse um so he was getting some zip on him, but he did. He said you could see it through the air where it would turn one way, catch wind, stop, and turn back the other direction. And he uh, he stripped him down and went the other way with it and kind of liked how they were flying after that. So uh, definitely something that a lot of people might might not know if you're just you know if you're just getting going or if you haven't if you're like me and you're not real good at making arrows or fletching them. I know Dan's laughing at me somewhere out there because I make the sloppiest looking glue jobs on my on my arrows. He's shaking his head and rolling his eyes at me right now. <laughs> but uh, as yeah, I think that's definitely something that's that's important to cover. You know, if it's going left, let it keep on going left. Um, are you going to try any other fletching variations with these new veins? Are you going to go to four or even six? Or are you just going to leave it at three? At this point, I'm probably going to leave it at three um, simply because I don't know if four would give me anything extra indoors. Um, that's just my way of thinking. I think I've, I've, I've shot four. Heck, you know, heck, I've shot six. I've done six or a six flex for a long time. But I think with this setup, I'm not seeing enough going left, right, um, to where it would help assist it in steering. Um, they're keeping them within the 10. When they go a left or a right, I know it's not the arrow. Um, and it's it's not a big enough correction for me from four to three that it's going to make a change. I My, my bow's tuned good. Um, it's shooting well. So I'm just going to leave it at three. Mostly because when I've tried the four fletch with this particular bow, I, I, I never got great clearance, even with my fall away. Um, and I've seen some of the uh, pro shooters that's shooting them is they, they've had to do the same thing. Um, four fletch isn't, isn't cooperating too much on this setup. Okay. Just kind of curious what you, what you look for when you're evaluating veins and arrow flight. Um, like to always like to tinker um yeah but at, yeah, well, at a certain at a certain go ahead oh i'm sorry too what i what i do is is what i call a drop test more than anything else and that has to do with the weight 
of the arrow, you add seven, eight grains with an extra vein, you're not going to see a major difference in drop or a major gain. Um, but if it was the heavier three or four inch Q2Is, which weigh uh, 10, 11, 12 grains, you add that much over the time you can. But I, I, I play with what I call a drop test more with a tip weight than I do the, the back end because when you add weight to the back of an arrow, what you're actually doing is it's a reverse of if adding weight to the front. If you add weight to the front, you're breaking the spine down. If you add weight to the back of an arrow, you're actually stiffening an arrow. Um, so it's just it's a reverse effect. Um, so I like a super stiff arrow indoors. So it wouldn't hurt me in that. But the drop test that I do is I'm shooting 120 grain tip. I've played with 100. I've done 150, 200, 225. This is with a carbon triple uh, X, uh, gold tip triple X. And I've done aluminums. The, I've done 300, 325, 250s. I've tried them all. And what I call a drop test is once I get it sighted in and I'm shooting a full game, and it's hitting the 10, if I make just a slight weak shot and I go, oop, that was at the bottom of it, if it falls out or is close to the eight line, if but it's in the yellow, that's a drop. So it's, it's a forgiveness factor to where if I can go with a lighter tip, keep the arrow flying perfect, get a good um, bear shaft tune out of it, and it catch the bottom of that 10, that's, that's a more forgiving arrow for me. So I like a lighter tip for that reason. Uh, 120, 150s were fine. I didn't have a problem with them. But I found for me with the big long shaft that I have, the 120 still steer it great. I keep it within the parameters of the 10 left and right. And when I, when I do make a weak shot, it still is catching the bottom of the 10. So. I, I hear you there. I had something. Kind of similar into last year. I'm the same arrow, uh, three fletch with a grip, three fletch, 250 up front, victory VTAC 27s. I figured if it was indoor, you're going to shoot a lot of arrows, might as well not pull as much weight as possible. And I was noticing it, it was, it would drop out, drop out of the, you know, I mean, it sometimes, but, you know, bottom of the 10, into the 9, into the 8. Uh, alternatively, this year, I'm shooting my 36 at 62, and roughly 62 and a half pounds. So I'm shooting the same arrow out of a faster bow with about three more pounds, and I'm not experiencing nearly as many low misses. That is also a factor that you have to put into this scenario that I'm calling my drop test is the speed of the bow itself. If you've got a standard indoor bow that's that's not a 3D bow, that's not built for speed, and you're pulling 50, 52, 55 pounds, and you got a heavy type shaft, yes, the speed of the arrow does make a difference indoors compared to what a, the old rule of thumb, thumb was, was oh, I don't care what the speed of the arrow is. I don't care what the weight of the arrow is. We're just shooting 20 yards. There's that drop test that I'm talking about. But so the flatter trajectory does make a difference indoors for those reasons that I, I spoke of earlier. I like it. I can I can almost feel the air conditioning of indoor season coming. 
<laughs> I think it's you got to you got to beat the heat, man. You got to beat the heat. Um, it's only eighty six right now. It'd be a good day to be out outside shooting, but unfortunately, we're stuck working today. Um, I think I'm about to get to the part of the turnpike where the signal drops off pretty good, so we might have to save our stabilization segment for for next time like i rambled on enough about all the arrows i missed in the last two weeks uh um but yeah i think i think next time we want to get into a little bit of stabilizer amendment i don't want to call it tweaking but adding an ounce here there and which which direction up down left right to swing that back bar or v bars if that's your thing um definitely want to want to kind of get into that as it pertains to shooting the same bow indoor versus outdoor. Um, do you want it, you want it light coming back to center or do you want it almost, you call it windproof? You know, you're chasing that, chasing that balance that it doesn't move, but you have the stamina to get through a 90 arrow event, you know, shoot two practice ends. That's another 12. So you're at 102 arrows. So kind of give them a little preview for maybe the next episode. Sounds good to me, bud. Hey, folks, I'm David. This Neil out there, I don't know if he can hear him anymore, but, yeah, we're, we, we've had a, a rough time. This is our third round trying to get this episode posted, uh, but but we got it. We're thinking of you guys out there. We want to keep putting stuff out, some, some information. If you've got something you want us to give you our two cents or, or if – We'll bring you on and we'll let you uh, talk about what you know. We're, we're all for that, too. So let's talk archery. That's all I've got, Neil. How about you? Y'all go shoot your bows. Come shoot the State 900 with us weekend after this coming up one. That's September 9th and 10th at Trosper Archery Club in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Hope to see you guys out there. And so if you're shooting indoor targets early, send us a picture of it. We want to see what kind of scores you're putting out. Uh, um Shout out to my boy, Josh Jacobson, who once again beat me at indoor last night on the last end. We came in, uh, came in tied to the last end, and I went down like a French boxer. He's still <laughs> shooting a PSE? He's still shooting that PSE. I can't get him off of it. I'll tell you <laughs> Just what. Just thought I'd ask. Just thought I'd ask. He is. He's, he's all wrapped up on him. But uh, I think that's going to do it for us today, folks. We just want to we want to hear from you guys, and we want to know what you're shooting and what you like and what's working. And hey, if you want to tell us what's not working, you know, I I don't mind hearing that. It saves me one less thing to try. Hey, the boy, I like it too. Everybody, we appreciate y'all listening to it and supporting the Oklahoma Archery Podcast. We're out.